We are working on what I believe is going to be the coolest thing ever. By the end of this next year, we hope to announce that if you work at Height for five years, we will pay for your kids to go to college 100%, books, tuition, fees, everything to Harding University. We're working on a partnership with them, Harding University based in Arkansas, which is a Christian private university. And my goal is to become one of the first companies in maybe the world. Maybe somebody else does it. I don't know. Every single team member doesn't have to worry about their kids' college. Welcome to a Father's Flame podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, JC Height. JC is the founder and CEO of Height, which is a five Inc. 5000 company with 200 plus team members. He is an Amazon international best-selling author. He's been married for nine years, has uh, two children. So welcome today, JC. Thanks for coming here. Jeff, bro, thanks for thanks for having me. Really excited to chat today and see what kind of value we can we can bring. Awesome. So let's start with, let's hear some of your story. Yeah. Um, grew up in Arkansas, good old boy, I guess from the South, uh, parents were divorced. So more typical story than probably I'd like to admit. Uh, we, uh, uh ended up going to a, a private Christian college and was an entrepreneur, I guess, since day one, other than when I was 17, I got asked to work for a bank. So I started working in banking, until I was 23. By the time I was 23, I had about 50 houses built up and uh, oh, real wow. estate portfolio that I ended up uh, doing very well. I'd actually left banking because I had enough money to, to roll and ended up meeting my wife. First year of marriage, we lost it all. So literally, you know, I had a Cessna airplane, custom Harley, every, you know, it was a beautiful picture. And first year of marriage, we went from uh, you know, driving a four-door F-150 to a Hyundai i10. I don't even know if they make those in the U.S. now, but like little bitty car and um, wow. uh, started building it back up and and we've been very blessed. And uh, we now, as you said, work with Height, a couple hundred team members. We're trying to dynamically change the entire way agencies grow and scale and ultimately serve their their, their clients. And so it's been a beautiful, beautiful run. As you said, a couple of amazing children. They are about the age of, let's see, they're four and one. And uh, it's been an exciting road. Wow. That is a great, uh, man, that was a little deeper than I thought. You had built up such a real estate empire. How did you feel when you went through losing it? Like, what was that like? Mm. Dude, it was a lot of emotion. So again, I proposed to my wife. If you look at my wife, she has a beautiful uh, ring on her finger because I could afford something. And literally, like uh, I think it was a month, two months after we got married, we get into trouble. The big factory shut down, economics. I wasn't saving as much money as I should. I just wasn't being an entrepreneur like I should. And, you know, I, it, there were so many lessons. Looking back, it's funny, Karen and I talk about this in our book, we talk about, a lot about it in general. I never remember being sad or frustrated or angry or guilty in a lot of ways. You know, I had a, a really good support system from a family that was willing to let me fail. Yet at the same time, you know, from a mental standpoint, you know, it's okay. It's all, it's all right. This is who cares, you know, type of thing. And uh, we ended up. I don't tell this to everyone, but Karen and I actually ended up moving into the maid's quarters of her dad's house. And so we literally lived in a, my office, my personal office today in our building is bigger than our entire house was, you know, when we moved into her dad's house. And so that we lived in a twin size bed for a year of our marriage. And so looking back, it was, it was great. You know, it was, struggle. I don't think we were ever mad. We were never angry. I never lost hope in my faith or anything like that, but it was definitely an interesting, an interesting time. Man, that's, that's, well, I want to dig into that maybe a little bit later, but now I Let's want to it. get into what is your faith, right? Cause there's faith means a lot of things to different people, which typically yeah. it's belief, but, uh, but yours yeah. personally. So, you know, for me, I believe that, that Jesus came and he died uh, for all of our sins and, and rose again. I, you know, as young, I w went to a Catholic school for a little bit. Um, I was actually raised with my mom predominantly who never consistently went to the church, probably didn't live quite a biblical lifestyle by any stretch of the imagination. 
Uh, but my dad went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night, you know, was the, the song service Sunday night, you know, very, you know, religiously went. And so, so I grew up kind of seeing two sides of the world there. And uh, now, you know, we've got people at height that are atheist, Buddhist, you name it, but faith has been a central part of what we do. You know, uh, as we're recording this, it's Monday morning. We just led a prayer every Monday morning. We lead a prayer with our entire company and organization. And, and, and for me, it's a center point. We can't, can't do anything without Christ being at least revolved around, you know, the center point of what we're, what we're doing. So that's awesome. So you say you have a diversity of faith that are just in your company. So how do people take it? Like just that you guys are praying. Um, I mean, yeah. people have to be all over the board with this. So, yeah. So we are, we are very open organization. Uh, first and foremost, we make sure it's very clear when you come on to height, who we are and what we're about. We love, I, th I think the biggest thing as Christians that we miss out on is some of the biggest um, elements of the Bible is love and forgiveness and kindness and and showing grace to people. And that's the way we show Christ here within our organization. We love people, whether you are a believer or not, whether you're a different religion or not, whether it doesn't really matter to us in any regards. We've got um, people of all different um, uh all, all different ideologies. And so we always make that clear every few months, you'll hear me say something on the lines of guys, you don't have to participate. There's no, you know, there's no, uh, mandatory, you know, anything of this, but this is who I am. And, um, well, I own the company, so this is way I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You're creating the culture, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah. We're looking for our first business to purchase and, you know, I'm a man of faith myself, believe in the Bible, but that's a big part that we want to invest in our company is like, I, I think it, you know, our faith has just called us to be such good people in that way. We care for people, treating, treating them the way we want to be treated. Like I, I would love a CEO or a boss that, that, uh, had that in his mindset. And I, I just think that's awesome. That culture you're bringing, we hope to do the same thing in the companies we own. Um, and that's why I'm kind of curious on how that, how that works for you. Um, yeah. has there been any pushback or is it just like, just kind of people are just accepting and just kind of love to come work for you? You know, interesting enough, I think probably the biggest judgment we get is from other Christians more than anything. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, and it's a tough thing to talk about out loud, but, uh, like homosexuality, for example. Sure. Right. And so we've got a lot of people again, with different belief systems within our organization, we love them just the same. We treat them just the same. We have, they have every opportunity, no different than anyone else has the, regardless of what my personal beliefs are. And, and I think some people hear, oh, they're a Christian company. JC's a Christian guy. So they don't allow what I personally believe as by the book, what the Christian should appear like, you know, or look like. Right. And so it's, sure. it's ironic. We, I think we get less pushback from the Buddhists that work with, the, I think we have one, right? A couple of atheists. We get less pushback for them. They're, they're more almost open to it than, which is interesting to me in a lot of ways, but it's probably a deeper conversation. <laughs> no, no, I uh, appreciate you just saying that. Like, personally, like, I think, um, you know, even the person we follow, our Messiah, Jesus, like he, it seems like he valued people so much, right? It didn't matter so much what they were. Actually, if they're really religious, it seemed like he was way harder on them because they were stumbling blocks. But like, there's that story of that Samaritan woman. If you think about it, they're not even Jewish, really, or their previous descendants, kinda cousins, or. But yet, he the first person he reveals himself to is a a woman outside of the Jewish culture. That's. Mm -hmm very different than what a lot of people portray Jesus as. No, you got to just come in and follow that tight line and be Baptist right. or be whatever. And it's like, well, that's he right. really wasn't like that. So anyways, that's right. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I looked at your website and, and I love that you said, I believe Christ died for us so that we can be saved and you embed faith in everything you do. And it sounds like you just value people though. It's not just if they accept what you're doing, it's, Hey, come join the culture, go with this company. We're going to support you. That's what I'm kind of getting right. from you. That's yeah, awesome. That's right. that's right. Um, so, so with your family, uh, you're kind of what 
you've been doing this for five years, right? You had your first child five years ago. What, mm -hmm. uh, tell me something you've learned just as a, as a young father running, uh, and scaling a company and trying to, you're scaling a family. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things here. I can, I, I want to tell you a trick here in a second that I learned that I feel okay. like should be published somewhere that sure. they should have told me, but you know, I think everybody, everybody, everybody has to find their own path, their own system, their own way of working. Right. And so one of the things that Karen and I do, we, we read a lot, we listen a lot, we do all this, but we're really, we try to experiment for what works for us. For me, I have ADD a lot. I get distracted a lot. And so for me, I have to build up very big silos. So what do I do? I, every day I get on, I get to work very early. I go to the gym even earlier than that, but at four 30, I go home pretty much every day. Like you can maybe one day a month or two days a month. I'm not at home by four 30 unless I'm traveling for some reason. And when I get home, I turn the phone off, right? It's family Ooh. time. It's focused. Right. Okay. And so one of the things that I think we struggle with is that we give time, but we're not actually giving time. Right. And so what I want to know is I want to make sure is that when I'm giving time to my kids, I'm actually giving it to them, you know, holistically. Right. And so I try to turn off the phone, try to say whatever's happening at work is, you know, that part done. And, and that's been really, really, uh, I think good for us. And, and we try to do as many acts as we can. And then we, the other side is when I am working, how do I integrate family with that as much as possible? So at the office, my daughter starting to realize the work is kind of the priority there. So we have a nurse right here in the office nonstop. In fact, when we started filming this, at one point my eyes shift because one of the kids was knocking on my door, probably wanting to come in and watch Netflix or something. And so we have a nursery right here, but here it's 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 work time. So how do we integrate them in and, and show them, you know, what we're doing? working team and how we respect and love everyone how do we integrate that in with the future of our organization and what we're what we're trying to build so what's your vision for bringing your kids like to work or into your work you know so you you know are you um, yeah anyways let's leave it at that what is your thought process are they going to work in the company or are you going to help them start their own companies or go to college or how do you i mean you got you're a few years out but how are you? Yeah, I'm, for I'm hopefully a lot of years out. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, I've, I've been poor as all get out. I've been fairly wealthy and, uh, and it doesn't, I mean, I, I really genuinely hope my happy and excited, my kid, my four, five year old, right, four year old right now is all into fashion designing. And I mean, like, it's actually impressive what she's doing. I hope she doesn't secretly deep down just me i hope she does not become a fashion designer but if she does beautiful awesome you know at height one of my biggest though is that you know, and we right now i'm at our central america where there's a great divide between wealthy and and, and the poor i guess so to speak or the, the common people um probably the biggest thing that i want to teach my daughter at, at the office and my son once he gets appropriate age is again how we treat other human beings like we we love everyone no matter of social class no matter of last name no matter where they're at their goals or benefits we don't have to agree with everyone but we have to love and respect you know everyone and so at height we have a very flat organization you know the difference between our leaders in the organization how much they make compared to the lowest people is is very flat the schools every single kid at height is on scholarship so almost all of our kids go to tier one private schools, whether they're the CEO or whether they're the cleaning staff, they all go to specific types of schools within, within Latin America. And so how do we create as much uh, equality as we possibly can within through capitalism, through, you know, getting this stuff done. And so uh, probably the biggest thing that I want my kids to, to really focus on is, is how my wife and I interact and treat our best friends are at the office. You know, our best friends are here at work working with us. And so how does that all integrate together is, is a fun dynamic. Wow. You, every employee you just said sends their kid to private school, man, we are working on what I believe is going to be the coolest thing ever. By the end of this next year, we hope to announce that if you work at Height for five years, we will pay for your kids to go to college 100% books, tuition, fees, everything to Harding University. We're working on a partnership with them, Harding University based in Arkansas, which is a Christian private university. And my goal is to become one of the first companies in, I don't 
maybe the world. I don't know. Maybe somebody else does that. I don't know where every single team member doesn't have to worry about their kid's college. And so uh, uh, I, I think we'll be able to announce it in the next six months to a year. So it's looking good in the negotiations. So that is, that's a little mind blowing right there, JC. Uh, Which means by the way, the cool thing is that it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the manager or whatever, all of us want the, what's best for our kids. And this means that it doesn't matter if you're the CEO, or the cleaning lady, none of us have to worry about the education of our children, which is probably the predominant factor that we care about the most. And oh, by the way, all of them are getting the same opportunity for each of their children, regardless of where they're at in the organization. Where did this stem from? I mean, that is an amazing creative benefit that. Dude, it's actually nuts. I mean, this ties into how much we love our team. Like our yeah. um, most of my job personally nowadays is geared towards how do we serve our team? You know, the, the, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And I think it's the same in business. The more we can serve our team rapport we build, the more we can overcome faults. We're not a perfect company by any stretch, but the more I can show you love, the easier it is to overcome that stuff. Right. And so for us, one of the things that I spend a lot of time on is what do my people worry about? What do they care about? When they're not in the office, what's on their minds? And then how do we come in and serve and help that specific thing? Um, with the education bonus, I actually think it's going to be profitable for us in a crazy way. I think it'll actually be profitable for us to invest the 100K per student. Why? Because of the longevity of each team member. It's not like they can come work for us and then they leave in two weeks. You got to stay five years and then your kid has four years of college, but you don't have one kid. You have two kids. So you got to wait to the other one to get to college. So you're, you're kind of tied into us for 10 years. I have a saying that we talk about at height that I need to perfect because it doesn't sound appropriate the way I say it, but a long-term team member knows more from like a long-term stupid team member knows more than a short-term smart team member, right? Okay. The most, the smartest guy I have that's two months into height doesn't know as much as the idiot sure. that's been here for six years. Right. So I want yeah. now, of course, I don't want a bunch of idiots around height. We don't have those, but to my point, if I can get people to stay and that learn our culture and that know our culture, that know our processes that have been in different roles throughout the company and through the organization, we're going to be a strong, strong organization. Like we're going to be able to fight the good fight. And so if you break that down, a 11 year kind of commitment that you need there in a lot of cases, as you only have two, you have three, you know, now you're talking about 10,000 a year or a thousand dollars a month. Well, now it starts making more sense. A thousand dollars a month is one client to us, right? So yeah. per, per employee. So if me focusing on that employee, giving them something they care about a lot, can that help me with one or two clients? I think it can, right? Oh, exactly. Is this something that you're doing for like worldwide if they're in the US or Central America? If they work for height corporate, yes. So. Wow. So you might be getting a lot of, so this is almost like a pre-announcement here once this gets out and then a, you have people beating down actually, the door. You might be the first. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, your podcast might be the first announcement of it. That's right. So outside of internal leadership and management. So, man, that is so amazing. And I'm trying to get the root of this for you to even come up with such a creative, like benefit. I imagine that that's not the only creative benefit working with you or for you. Dude, I mean, yeah, we have, I mean, if you, uh, every manager at height has a 90% scholarship for a master's. So we pay 90% with the same university, Christian university in, in, in Arkansas. Every year we take our entire company and their families on some trip. So actually at the time we're recording this podcast next Wednesday, we will leave for a four day four day trip in Costa Rica. We're taking our, we're flying, taking all of our team members from around the world. We have 290 something people going to be there, including kids and spouses. And we have a team. So not, a lot of them are not married, but 290 sure. people in total in a resort in Costa Rica, all you can eat, all you can drink. And, um, it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of fun. That is amazing. I've never heard of something like these two benefits. So good on you, JC, that you've created a business model that can support that and support his people. Um, you guys are doing it. That is so great. It's I'm, fun. I'm, I'm taking back a little bit. That's a lot to <laughs> chew on. I imagine you're going to be like, geez, man, maybe I want to go work. 
I want to go work for JC. It's a good <laughs> culture. All right. I at least want to learn from you because that is fantastic when we, you know, add benefits in for our employees. So, man, so good. So let's segue into uh, financial, um, the financial realm of things. So, and I, I told you right before we started, like, so this podcast is about, so a father's flame, like putting energy and effort into faith, family, finances, fitness, um, and then maybe even a little bit of fashion, right? That uh, we might talk about that, but we need to be putting energy and effort into these every single day. And so you sound like a unique individual, like that you have, you built a uh, real estate portfolio that you did, that you rebounded. Um, it didn't just break you. Like, it sounds like it was almost a good experience. And then you really found your calling and where you're heading now, but financially, where have you got a lot of your education and where, and, and I guess who is JC like financially, like where did you learn it and where are you heading? Yeah. So I'll tell you a story. Um, it's crazy to me actually back, but it was just the coolest thing ever. So when I was 13, 14 years old, my dad worked, you know, full time. So every day after school, I'd go to my granddad's house and my granddad is one of the more humble people you ever meet, but he owns a lot of real estate. You'd never know it. He drives an old Prius, gives most of it, you know, you know, he's just, he wouldn't even like me saying what I've already said, but we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. And every day at his house and we were every day, we do the same thing. I'd get a big bowl of ice cream, like huge, put peanuts, honey, coke, I mean, all kinds of things in that sucker. And we'd be allowed to pull out the city paper and we'd start looking at the houses for sale. And every day we do the same thing. We'd look at the houses for sale, we'd pull out the new ones, throw them into a, a, a spreadsheet or a pencil. And my granddad would always say, let's put the pencil to the paper. So we'd look at the house. We go, okay, if we went and got a loan, let's see what the mortgage would be. And what would the taxes be in that area and the insurance? And we look at you know, how much could we rent it for? We try to find other houses for rent around it. And every day we do the same thing, two or three homes a day, all the new ones. And um, one or two days a week, we'd end up going and looking at those houses. And we'd look at them and he just really walked me through that process every single day. And and we'd go look at them, and every once in a while, he'd, you know, you think we should buy it? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. this is no brainer. And he would, okay, well, since you say so, we're going to buy this one. And we'd, you know, we just constantly, and I kid you not, Jeff, at 14 year old, my granddad, we went through a home and um, should we buy it? Yeah, we should buy it. And he said, I have a better idea. Why don't you buy it? And mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, I know the, know the process. And, at that point, I don't think I realized that it was illegal for a 14-year-old to own, you know, something like that. But sure. he took me to the bank. Um, hindsight, the president of Regions Bank in our area went to church with us. We knew him, family friend, but went up to his office. He read me the rights. Hey, here's the mortgage. Here's what it looks like. I ended up applying, quote unquote, for that mortgage. Um, ended up getting accepted, quote unquote. I had to go in and re-sign all the papers and the documents. And my granddad set this up where I was buying a home, you know, essentially. And um, my granddad and I have the same name, John Height. And so I had to check an account. I had everything. Everything was that. I had to go rent it. So we would rent the home and I had to, I was the one showing it. So my granddad would literally pull up. I would jump out of the car and I would go in and show the people and have them, you know, here's the lease. You gotta, you know, apply and put out a deposit, I, I, everything. And, um, I started doing this at 14 years old. I bought my first house and uh, at 18, it legally went over. But from 14 to 17, I just thought it was mine. I never, you know, you don't, it's not like you go look up at the courthouse who owns it to verify that sure. it's yours or anything, right? And um, forget about a, six months into it. I, you know, I was collecting my rent, paying my mortgage, paying my bills, and I had like a hundred bucks left over, right? So I'd use that at 14 years old. That's a lot of money. And I'd use it and go buy something, a new guitar, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, one day, a, a, a tree fell on the roof of my house. So now I had to, oh, but I got insurance. Ah, but did you remember deductibles? I didn't have the money. So my granddad let me sweat it out. And then finally, my granddad was like, tell you what, I'll give you the money for the deductible, but you're going to pay me back an in interest. So I had to pay him 6% interest on this short-term loan and that, and all that. So now I'm starting to learn, right? And so there was, there was things like that throughout my life, I think, where my family was really big into teaching me how to fish and not, not giving me fish, but also really, I mean, at 14 years old, this really made it where 
it really opened my eyes to possibilities of anything is possible, right? And so then worked in banking from 17, like I said, I think 23, maybe I was almost 24. And through that process, I did a lot of work with Dave Ramsey in Nashville and his company. And so learned a little bit more about finance. And then of course I lost everything, which taught me a lot more about finance. And um, I, I still say I'm not a, probably an educated finance person at all. I just keep it stupid simple. Um, and That's the reason good. I do that is I'm not, not that smart. So I did get my first credit card the other day. Um, you got the Amex, Black, whatever one that I don't know. It's apparently it's invite only, whatever. But I haven't just set go to right pay to the top, day. huh? I haven't set up to pay off every single day. Um, so I don't recommend it necessarily to people, but I'm, you know, I think Karen and I looked at it. We're getting like 250,000 points a month on average, you know, type oh of thing. Goodness. It's like yeah. stupid. But again, we have it set off to pay every single day at the end of the day. And so we just keep it simple, man. Simple, simple, simple. I like that. So yeah, you go for, you said your first credit card. So you just go for the the best one that probably exists. <laughs> no limit. The, 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 yeah, I don't, um, yes, I guess. Anyways. So to speak. <laughs> Man, you're, it sounds like your grandpa just handed you something so valuable. Like instead of saying like the fish, I like how you said it fishing, like, all right, here's a fish JC. Now, Hey, I'm going to show you how to catch a fish at 14. That is that's different. So yeah. So 14, I, that was, and I don't think I ever told any friends. I was not ashamed of it, but I was very like, this is weird, you know, type of, type of thing. And, uh, yeah, 18, I built my first house in college. I was in college, built my first house and was always trying to find creative ways to make money, I guess, so to speak. So when did you really start picking up the real estate portfolio? Like, to get to was it over 50 you said yeah so whenever i was i might have been 20 i ran into an opportunity to bring on like 30 at once where basically a, a, a lady had um fortunately her, her dad had passed away it was three or four sisters they were all rental properties they didn't know how to sell it so i was like i'll buy it from you you know and so uh so i got really you know a big part of business and winning is luck you know in a, in a lot of sure. ways or or God, you know, interfering there and making it, making it yeah. happen. And so it was very, very blessed. But yeah, we had about, we had right at 50 when we, a little over that, but right at 50 when we lost everything. So you're kind of prepared when the opportunity came though, to, to capitalize on that. I knew what to look for. I knew how yeah. to do the math and the numbers. Um, you know, my granddad was really big on, that's the fun part. The numbers are the fun part. Once you buy it, it's kind of done. It's it's kind of a very systemized thing. The fun is in the numbers. The fun is in the shopping. The fun is sure. in. So so I was because the numbers are kind of like the hunt though. Like if you think about yeah. it, it's like yeah, that's right. Yeah, that fits our criteria. Let's get it. That's right. So. That's right. So so I, I so I knew the math. Whenever I saw a deal, I knew it was a good deal. Right. Okay. So then what what transitioned you into? Can you tell us how um, height started? Uh, was that straight bootstrap from scratch uh, business or did you, yeah. yeah, tell us more about it. I'll back it up a little bit even before I think it's interesting and maybe do the conversation. Um, so I'd, I'd lost my real estate company. I ended up starting to build a tech ed company that ended up selling the technology behind. Uh, but I was kind of lost there for a while. There was a, there was a big organization though. I say big, they had maybe like a hundred employees or something like that or, a little over, uh, they started recruiting me. Like, come on, we want you as part of the ownership. We want you as part of the leadership, all this good stuff. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. Anyway, my wife ended up going to work there um, as head of sales operations or something like that. And finally, they brought me in. Finally, I took on equity and I went over to this company. At that moment, they had just made the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row. They were had really good. And it was a marketing company. It was a pay-per-click marketing company. And Jeff went over there. And, um, I am okay being in the world, but not of the world, you know, type of person. And so, and that's what this organization was. This company was, um, uh, I have not seen the movie yet, but I'm told it Wolf of wall street had nothing on this company. We're talking Ooh. cocaine, heroin, women. Um, we're talking about crazy like, families were not allowed in the building. 
you know, like at the parties, people, families were not allowed. Husbands and wives were not allowed because it was nuts. And people respected Karen and I, but there was definitely a conflict among ownership of what was the right thing to do. And um, for a while, my 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 methodology was Karen and I's both. We were like, man, we're it's like our mission field. You know, people love us. They respect us, even though I mean, we literally Jeff had probably 10 people that were murderers from the U.S. that had been deported that were working with us. You know, type. I mean, it was crazy man. because they were affordable because they were killers on the phone because they were you know like it was crazy man um i mean you would often walk in and somebody would be doing like one of the leaders would be doing heroin right there you know in in, in his office so mm. it was crazy no judgment wow. there whatsoever it was just very different so my wife and i were very much like this is a mission for us you know believe we can help and change and then we were six months pregnant with olivia and our entire mindset shifted because even though I was right, like I was being an influence, probably, hopefully, Lord willing, for the positive. We were also bringing, I mean, we were hiring five people a month into this organization as well, right? So I was, it was like I was bringing them into the bad side just so I could help them, you know, so to speak. And I really had a change of heart because I, one night I talked to Karen, I was like, I don't know how to say this, but, and keep in mind, two years before we had lost everything, right? So we were now back up on our feet. We were doing well, making, stupid some money and but we didn't have a big savings we didn't have anything crazy right and three months before i was like babe i i don't know if i could do this like i don't know if i could have a daughter like i would be ashamed if my daughter knew where i worked i would be if my daughter went to work at this place i would be freaking the junk out you know type of thing right and within two weeks we left the organization and in exchange for my non-compete, I gave away all my equity. To give you an idea, we were probably worth at this point, because I was there a year and a half, two years, we were probably worth 50 million, 100 million, you know, and so oh pretty goodness. significant little chunk. And and yeah, waived all my equity. And so now we go back to, okay, we got a daughter that's going to be born in two months. We have really no cash, no business, no equity, no insurance, no nothing, right? And but it was one of those things like looking back, I'm like, what were we thinking? That was the stupidest. I would never tell anyone to quit their job two months before. But this is where I think God sometimes blinds us almost of like, you know, like God had to have has There's no way a person in their right mind would have left at that moment. But yet we did. Right. And we both sure. left. And and that's when we started height and we started height with the purpose of. We felt we could do something really, really powerful, really, really good, but in the right way. We could build the same business. We could do something even bigger in the right way. Uh, five years now on the road, we're over 200 employees. They've went down to about 70 team members. About uh, Well, we've been on the list now. Uh, we'll be for the second time in a row, it looks like this year. And so tons of opportunities. And we've done that with God being at the center, people being at the center families being at the center, so on and so forth of, of everything we do. And so um, it's been a good journey. We bootstrapped it from a bedroom in my house and with one team member named Gus. And um, Gus is still with us to this day. In fact, he's he has ownership in our uh, – he owns our San Francisco offices and uh, runs runs the ship over there in California. And, and um, it's been an incredible, incredible journey. Wow. So you think that – that other business almost was like, I don't know, the launching pad that you got to, because you're almost like the antithesis or they are of what you are now, right? Like for you to experience that is you're, you sound like the complete opposite. No, we're, we, we are, but here's the cool thing. I found out just the other day that they just added a nursery to their building. That's really cool. Right. And so the world's big enough for both of us to thrive and to scale and to grow. And like, there's no, there's no animosity. There's no anything. Um, but that's the impact that we can have. Right. Like just, but we were sure. the small fish. We left with nothing, you know, and by doing the thing, by focusing on people, by sacrificing, by working hard, we were able to, 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 by the grace of God, just continue to grow and scale to move into that to that, uh, to that world. And so it's, been, uh, it's been interesting. So you've gone down this whole entrepreneur journey and, and it is interesting. This story is, is great. I love this. Um, do you recommend entrepreneurship for people 
I mean, or <laughs> how, do, how do you? That's a good question. No, not at all. You're an entrepreneurship. I mean, it's done so much for you, yeah. but you. Yeah, but, you know, look, yeah. entrepreneurship. I, I have a book that um, that we have out, and I started off. I mean, it sucks. It's hard. It's painful. It's it's like anything else that you probably want to do worth anything great in your life sucks in so many ways. It is so much easier to go get a job, let them worry about anything, and you do your specific job really, really well. It's so much easier. I think entrepreneurship right now is overly dramatized. I think a lot of people are sacrificing their families, sacrificing a lot of future for the hope that maybe they shouldn't be. Like entrepreneurship is a sexy thing right now. Oh, yeah. Um, I love it. It's beautiful for me. I love the drama of it and managing the 20 million plates in the air. I love and I'm okay with being responsible, I would say, for other people and taking on that burden, you know, that 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 you have as as employing someone and being responsible for their future and their families. I'm okay with this, but it's definitely not for for I think probably 20 or 30% of entrepreneurs, maybe even as high as 50 or 70% should a really good job at a great company is there's a lot of value in that. So I don't know if that's probably the answer you want to hear, but <laughs> I want to hear what you're willing to share, really. Um, so what what would you say are your core like your strengths? Because you sound you sound like if if obstacles come and difficulties comes, like you're you're not like an emotionally like just I'm gonna freak out and just you know, cry about this person. So what character traits do you have that have made you successful, you know, to be able to scale a company and then and deal with so much? Um, it's a great question. I have no idea. Um, I, I think, well, I think there's a couple of things. Um, number one, I'm polar opposites on the two things that you just said. I'm incredibly emotional when it comes to human beings. Oh, okay. I, uh, in fact, two years into hype, I had someone sit in my office and at first I was kind of pissed off about it. But then I was like, you know what? That's beautiful. They sat down and they said, JC, I just want to let you know it is a thing at height that if we come to your office and we sit down and we talk about how our families need more money or my family does this, or I want to get my kid in this type of school without a doubt, 100% of the time we can get a raise, right? As long as we position around family because it was a soft spot. So I'm very emotionally now, since then I was like, again, at first I was like, crap with the junk they're using me and then i was like you know what that's great i need to change the process a little bit i can no longer be the one to give raises because i think they're right so now my head of operations and now we have a whole finance department hr department all that stuff they handle all that stuff because they're not emotionally tied like that so for me i'm very emotionally driven when it comes to human beings i want them to be happy i care about them my wife and i are willing to sacrifice for our team but on business i'm not emotional at all right like when it comes to the numbers and the drive and operations and systems i am very black and white you know type of thing and so uh beyond that man for success uh, ties into this is i am ridiculously focused on bringing the right people i would say for the first four years at height i had for the first four years at height and there was different time period but at the end of four years i think i was their sixth paid person because I had that much to get the better talent. Say that again. You kind of uh, glitched a little bit. You're the what six person? So up until four years at height, I was probably the fifth or sixth highest paying person in the organization. Oh, okay. Why was that? Because I could, or my salary, but you can't expect a great, amazing product guy to cut his salary in half to come work for your vision and mission, right? And so... We've always, so we've been very focused on building the right team, right? And so um, loving people, focusing on team, uh, processes, systems, you know, all that normal, normal stuff. Sure. But we are ridiculously focused on team. That's awesome. So team, did you play any sports growing up? <laughs> played football, basketball, baseball. Um, okay, so yeah, you're a team a player. Okay. A lot of sports. And All I was right. actually, ironically, not always, I was never was I even remotely close to the best player. So I had to depend on other people being a lot better than me. And, mm. 
you know, which probably might be something there. I don't know. Sure. So you hire, you hire talent and you're willing to pay for that talent essentially, even if they make more money than you. Yeah. Yeah. To this, I think I have two or I think I have three individuals in the company right now at this moment who make a higher salary than I am. And when I say that, I mean like my entire payout house, car, like they take home more money than I do, period. Right. Um, Wow. Yeah. I'm glad we captured that. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's good. I don't hear a lot of that too often with people that, that, uh, I, you know, hear that run companies. this This is a big struggle, especially for young companies, because look, every dollar I take out of my business is a dollar that doesn't help my business grow. I'm already committed. I'm not paying myself more and going, oh, now that I make 10,000, I'm going to be more committed to this dream and mission that I hope becomes a billion dollar company, right? I should already be driven, right? But money does drive other people, right? And so every dollar I took out, so I was always, you know, for the first three years of height, Karen and I, we, we, we wanted the least amount of salary possible. And so that I could invest that into other, other people or other systems or other things. Interesting. So, yeah, that's a unique way to look at that. So every dollar you take out, you uh, <laughs> you keep your business from growing. So I'm gonna hold on to that one. So tell me about this: how you're franchising um, in the mar- digital marketing marketing agency industry. Yeah. So yeah, so we're we're the, one of the first uh, in the digital marketing space specifically to get an FDD approved, and um, there's been a few that have copycatted us into the market, which is a good probably thing. And uh, essentially, it's very simple. Um, you marketing agencies, I, I give the analogy: it's like we're a bunch of ships all driving, you know, all in the ocean, you know, going a certain direction. You know, we're all trying to grow the business. And, um, but everybody's ship is different. Some are made in Russia and the U S and China, and they're all different ships, right? Can you imagine if, even if you're a, you hire a coach, a great sales coach, is there, there's no sales coach that drives all the ships perfectly well, like very difficult because they're all different. They're all ran differently. The cultures are different. The language is different. Everything's different in the franchise model. We just all join the same ship together, right? And so imagine if you had the exact same ship 20 times over, now you can share big sales ideas, you share systems, you share mechanics, you share engineers, you share all this stuff, right? And so at height, we simply decided that uh, we're probably better together than we are separate. Every franchise is its own business, obviously. They own their own legal infrastructure, uh, but they license our model. So we're all running the same exact boat, right? And so we centralize fulfillment, we centralize engineering, we centralize technology, and we allow the franchisees to focus on what they want to focus on anyway, which is really sales and service. And, um, you know, we, we, we're really excited about the growth that we've, we've had th- there. Um, you know, we're an organization that have very few salespeople. We are heavy on the operations and the systems and the quality. And we've been able to prove a model that um, where you can grow very, very fast with still very low turnover in terms of, of clients. Interesting. So who is an ideal like franchisee? Is this, Do they have to have a certain level, um, certain, what's your criteria, yeah. I guess? So our, our focus is, is transfer agencies. So they're agencies that are already an agency. They've already shown that they want to do this. And they're normally hella good at sales. They just suck at the operations and the fulfillment and they can't hire people and they can't figure it out or all that type of stuff. They're really good at sales. They're selling you know, five, 10, 15, 20,000 a month in new sales. They just can't figure out the back end. Right. Okay. Okay. There's no revenue minimum or, um, that you're looking at. So in order for our franchise program, you got to be at 20,000 in monthly recurring revenue to, to even apply. Um, but normally it's much larger than that to, to get accepted. Sure. Okay. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that kind of want to work with you. I mean, (laughs) we have a waiting line right now. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, come in. We we basically every, you know, every day we're interviewing and talking to more people, just like anything else. And every quarter we decide to bring on the top three or four most qualified people. So the list is always ever changing and moving. And but every quarter we bring in three to four. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so um, let me share my screen real quick. Let's. Uh, I was going to bring up your website. 
So if people want to get a hold of you, uh, you have uh, you got your website. Yeah. Put up on the screen here, jchight.me. It looked like you can get to can probably most of your socials and different information. I saw your book on there. Uh, I saw a, an event event section that you guys are doing, and you just get into the event um, arena recently or yes yeah, so we have the probably three big areas people work with us we have the franchise model we have a big event so we have a luxury event in costa rica all inclusive this year we have john maxwell um jesse itzler sarah blakely kevin harrington and a lot of the big names in the industry coming down but it's a four night three day all you can eat all you can drink only 250 agencies you know event in costa rica we're sitting right now, I think we're seven months out. We're already 65% sold out. Um, and is then we have an interstate. Agencies that are not franchises with you? This is just that's, to anybody. Right. Yeah, no, any okay. any agency out there. Yeah. And okay. then uh, then we also have an inner circle, which is only non-franchise people. And it's uh, you have to beat a million in revenue to be in our inner circle. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so tell me about this bike. Right here, Google bike. <laughs> Google bike, yeah. Google sent me a bike, and they send us all type of swag and all okay. kinds of things. We got a ton of Google stuff around the office, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, uh, just right at the end here. So I want to get into this. I was perusing your website, and I was like, "This will be a good segue into fitness," because I was over here and I saw this little tricep popping right here. So, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do for like fitness, like on a day-to-day -day basis? I know you said you wake up early and, and go or what, what's your week yeah. look like? You know, are you just crushing weights? Are you a cardio guy or just push-up guy? I do, I do the same thing every day. I'm terrible. Okay. Um, so every single day, Monday through Sunday, I get up uh, even like even before church on Sunday, I get up at four o'clock um, is when my first alarm, I do a two minute snooze every day. 4.02, I get up by 4.20, I leave the house. I'm at the gym by 4.30. Gym's not open at that time, but they allow me to go in and I walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes. Uh, that's when I read my Bible as well. So I only walk so I can read, listen, and pay attention. Five o'clock, I do the gym. I have recently in the last month changed it up. So I'm at the gym, lift heavy for about 35 minutes. And then I go back to the treadmill and I do an incline walk. Uh, for 20 minutes, and then I go to the office, which is a half a kilometer from from the gym. And uh, very big into like routine. So we have a full on kitchen deal here with the barista and all that stuff. So they bring me my protein shake at 7 a.m. They bring me an apple with peanut butter and banana at 10 a.m. At 12, they bring me a um, a churrasco salad. I don't know, like a steak salad, essentially. Okay. Uh, a lot less salad. It's actually a bowl, not a salad. So it's steak, rice, beans, lettuce, whatever. And then uh, at three thirty-three, I think they bring me a a protein bar every day. So that's like my rhythm. Uh, Sundays it's set a little back, so I go at uh, I go to the gym. I'm normally there by like five thirty or so, and uh, and on Saturdays I normally go around six. So. So you yep. sleep in a little bit and that's good. Uh, you hear a lot of successful right. people that just get up and kind of crush that morning, have a routine at least, right? Um, the reason I do it, man, is I found that that's when my kids are sleeping, right? And so a lot of people go after work and I, I just can't, I can't work until 4.30, then go to gym for two hours and go and be with my kids 30 minutes before they go to bed, right? And so um, the morning time, they're awake at four. So it's easy for me. That's awesome. So uh, I've kind of had the same thing. Like we have five kids, right? And so I I don't even read books if it's during the day because I can go about, you know, 20 seconds and someone's screaming. It's just loud. I can't, right. I just can't do it. And so I did the same thing you did. I wake up at 5, 5.30, read. I got to still figure yeah. out my fitness thing, but it is more controllable than the back half of the day. So... All right. Last thing, so I'm, I'm curious. I try to keep it like my goal is the. Oh, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no. Go ahead. Go with it, JC. Yeah. So my goal is to stay around the percentage of body fat is what I watch the most. So I try to stay okay. around nineteen percent body fat is where, where I judge my okay. Where am I at? 
so to speak. Okay, that's good to hear. I mean, I like to hear people's strategies, right? I don't, I don't even think about that. I go by weight, which that could fluctuate with you know water and muscle and all that. So that's good. I like the that's right. body fat. That's right. All right. So moving on, I've been thinking about adding this fifth category to the podcast, which is fashion. Is there how do, does fashion play any part in your life? No, or how, what, whatsoever, what my friends. <laughs> I wear, um, you know, we are in the tallest building in the city. We've got, we own a big chunk of the building ourselves. Um, I, I, I hang out with some of the coolest people in the world, and I wear Under Armour shorts and a cutoff with either a sweater or an Under Armour shirt every single day. Literally, if you're looking at the video, I put on the shirt two minutes ago. Just for the podcast, but I am literally still wearing there my it armor. Is. So <laughs> I don't, uh, I am the most unfashionable person ever. All my hats are height hats that they give me, and I wear a hat almost every day. Yeah, I'm the opposite of fashion, to be honest. Well, JC, I appreciate this hour that you've given us. Um, there's some really cool announcements in this. Uh, and I think it's it's going to be good for a lot of listeners. So I, I appreciate what you shared and your willingness to, you know, share some ups and downs in your life and uh, and where you guys are heading in your business. So thank you. Awesome, brother. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Hopefully, it was uh, good value for those that are that are tuning in. Yeah. So everybody, uh, fathers out there, remember put energy and effort into. Uh, your faith, family, finances, and fitness, and just do it in a way that, you know, uh, yourself in the future is going to thank you. And so let's get some big wins and some small wins. And uh, thanks for tuning in. All right, JC, that's pretty much it. Hey, 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 that's pretty much